letters fifty six to fifty eight of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffith letters fifty six to fifty eight from lady barton to miss cleveland letter fifty six lady barton to miss cleveland elm grove near dublin thank you my fanny for the pleasure i have received from all your letters but particularly for the last which announces the glad tidings of delia's recovery of my brother's approaching happiness and of your return to england you will see by the date of this that i have made an excursion from southfield since my last sir william who is now i hope in a fair way of recovery has at last consented to lucy's most earnest and repeated request and has kindly permitted me to attend her nuptials he intends to pass the time of my absence with colonel walter i am sorry he has chosen him for his companion but what arguments could i oppose to his inclinations on my arrival in dublin yesterday morning i was met by my beloved lucy and her beloved lover i never saw delicate happiness so strongly impressed upon elegant features as it appeared in both their countenances yet there was a little mixture of timidity in lucy's eyes which abated their vivacity but increased that charming look of sensibility which is the natural result of refined tenderness the most irresistible of female charms harriet who came with me is in high spirits she is to have the honour you wished for of being bridemaid and on this occasion young girls are always delighted at the prospect of a wedding and consider that most solemn and hazardous act of our lives merely as a festival when alas but this wedding will i hope and believe justify their opinion and make a holiday for both their lives amen i say with all my heart mrs leighton lucy harriet and i came here yesterday in my coach this morning i have been all about the place and never saw a sweeter spot the prospects are delightful there is an ample view of the bay of dublin and of the opposite hills which for many miles are richly cultivated and adorned with numberless gardens and villas there is nothing in the environs of london half so beautiful as neither the thames or medway can pretend to vie in beautiful or in grandeur with the ocean this lovely seat sir harry Craspell has just purchased and settled it as a jointure house on my fair friend 
leaving his family mansion to descend in the usual course to his heir's mail i am pleased with the proprietary and delicacy of this action as i have always thought it extremely cruel that a woman should be obliged to quit her house on the death of her husband and be as it were turned adrift in the world at the time she has lost her chief stay and support in it sir harry is to dine with us here this day and go back to dublin which is just six miles off at night to-morrow he returns here again to part from his lucy no more the ceremony is then to be performed in a neat private chapel within the demence miss cresswell a sister of sir harry's is to be the other bridemaid and his bridemen whoever they are to be will i suppose attend him hither i hear a carriage driving furiously and am not yet dressed it must be sir harry lovers are impatient tis he indeed but can i believe my sight lord lucan with him my fate pursues me o oh, fanny i can write no more adieu l barton letter fifty seven lady barton to miss cleveland the moment i had laid down my pen harriet flew into my room to express her surprise at lord lucan's arrival but joy was much more predominant than wonder in her artless eyes lucy came into my chamber soon after to assure me that she did not know of his lordship's coming or even that he was an acquaintance of sir harry's till he introduced him to her that instant below stairs harriet replied with unusual vivacity surely miss leicester you need not make an apology for such an agreeable addition to our society as lord lucan the moment these words had escaped her her face was covered with blushes i took not the least notice of her emotion though it struck me strongly when contrasted with the different sensations of fear and anxiety that affected my heart a thousand disagreeable thoughts rushed at once into my mind i determined however to act with the utmost circumspection and carefully to avoid any particular interview or conversation with his lordship i did not quit my chamber till dinner was served i spent the immediate hour extremely ill in forming set speeches and fashioning my conduct to impossible rules which all vanished out of my thoughts like a dream the moment i beheld lord lucan and i suppose that no creature could ever have appeared more completely embarrassed upon any occasion his countenance upon seeing me was expressive of the sincerest delight there was a brilliancy in his eye and a liveliness in his complexion which would have made the homeliest features pleasing alas he has wanted not this advantage 
Tias aid my confusion soon became contagious and seemed to throw a general damp upon the spirits of the whole company even the happy creswell abated of his cheerfulness and often set forth a look of inquiry to try if he could discover the cause of his own change in lucy's now altered countenance i could not help perceiving the gloom i had spread and endeavoured but in vain to rally my spirits they were sunk too low to be recalled i would have retired but that would have been an addition to my friend's distress we made a dull and silent meal and i quitted the table the moment it was possible i withdrew immediately to my chamber and begged to be left alone i was indulged by lucy though unwillingly i tried to account to myself for the uncommon heaviness which oppressed my heart the weakness of my past conduct appeared in the most glaring light to me and from the agonies of remorse which i then felt i concluded myself the most guilty of wretches yet my reason revolted against the opinion but was still utterly unable to banish it or to account for the sudden change in my sentiments upon the subject as no alteration had happened either in lord lucan's conduct or my situation from the time that i had considered my attachment to him as perfectly innocent because it was absolutely involuntary i became almost distracted with my doubts and traversing my chamber with hasty steps i exclaimed how poor how insufficient is human reason either to direct our actions or restrain our passions o thou that stillest the raging of the sea and calmest the fury of the winds abate this conflict in thy creature's breast and point the way in which my feet should tread to find the paths of peace a sudden gush of tears followed this ejaculation my mind grew calm and though i could at that instant have taken an everlasting leave of lord lucan with the most perfect resignation i continued musing upon the subject of my future conduct for a long time and at last determined that i would endeavour to assume as much cheerfulness as possible while i remained at elm grove that in a very few days after the wedding i would return to southfield but before i went write a letter to lord lucan fully expressive of the change in my sentiments with regard to him or rather myself enjoining him to make no reply nor attempt ever to see me more soon after i had formed this resolution lucy softly tapped my chamber door she saw i had been weeping but as i smiled and held out my hand on her approach she said my face might be compared to an april day but as sunshine seemed now to prevail 
she hoped there would be no more showers we joined the company and i with pleasure perceived that i was much less constrained in my manner to lord lucan and everybody else than i had been at dinner a little flight of sir harry's at the time that the gentlemen were to leave us and return to town threw me into a second embarrassment he insisted upon his being permitted to salute all the ladies as he should never be another knight a bachelor and that lord lucan and a young gentleman whose name is weston and was then present should salute miss leicester as she should not choose to spare them one of her kisses when he should have an exclusive right to the sole property of them young weston who perhaps mistakes vivacity for good breeding proposed this folly's becoming general and it was impossible to object seriously to a matter that appeared so very trifling especially upon such an occasion as this once at a wedding you know is a proverb yet neither you nor any of that company will i hope ever know the pangs i felt at receiving a kiss from lord lucan it seemed to cost him almost as much pain as it did me for he trembled as if he had been seized with an ag fit the consent of my heart shocked me with a con consciousness of guilt i am sorry the foolish affair happened but i will think no more of it it is now near two o'clock in the morning of lucy's wedding day and as i suppose i shall not have much leisure for some time to come i would not omit before i lay me down to rest if that may be acquainting my dear confessor and counsellor with the state of that heart which while it beats will ever retain the tenderest affection for her every good wish attends my brother and i hope i may by this time add his amiable wife my fanny's claim to that title is i think and hope not far distant the renewal of lord hume's connections with sir george might have been merely accidental but his continuing them in the manner he has done even to the encumbrance of my brother in his present circumstances speaks to the revival of his attachment to you much stronger than the most direct and formal proposition could possibly have done his attorney might perform the one but his passion only could be capable of the other lord hume has his merits as well as his faults and the mild eye of my sister's charity is ever more open to the former than the latter and if the union i have hinted at should take place i trust they will become every day more conspicuous adieu my fanny l barton p s eight o'clock in the morning i have passed a miserable night 
disturbed slumbers and terrifying dreams if i were superstitious i should imagine some ill fate awaits me alas how totally unfit am i for the festivity of a bridal day letter fifty eight lady barton to miss cleveland our wedding my fanny was conducted with the greatest propriety and elegance there were eighteen persons present the eldest of whom mrs leighton excepted was not eight and twenty pleasure sat smiling on every placid brow even i endeavoured to assume an air of cheerfulness but thought myself like lucifer in heaven unblessed amidst the blessed it is said that every woman looks better on her wedding day than any other of her life i confess i never saw lady cresswell appear so beautiful there was a sort of serene happiness in her countenance which i know not how to describe her clear brown complexion appeared almost transparent yet was often heightened to the most becoming blush by the fond looks of her enamoured bridegroom the dress of all brides is nearly the same you may therefore conclude that lady cresswell wore white and silver the bridesmaids were dressed exactly like par hazard in pale pink and silver my clothes were gracious heaven how can i write about such trifling matters while my heart is breaking i must fly my fanny forever fly from the sight of one who becomes every hour more dangerous to my repose we have now been three days together under the same roof yet have i been lucky enough to avoid any particular conversation with lord lucan he perceives my caution his vanity is doubtless flattered by it yet he affects to appear unhappy he his looks are expressive of the tenderest sorrow and he sometimes gazes on me till he seems to have lost himself poor harriet watches his eyes alas they are but seldom turned on her if he is really as wretched as he seems he is to the full as much to be pitied as myself why did we ever meet or why not sooner that heart which in spite of the restraint of duty is but too much devoted to him now had it been free my sister i fear tis criminal to indulge this fond idea i will suppress it then i have not had leisure to begin the letter i intend to write to him but to-morrow or the next day in short before i seal this i will and yet what can i say to him have i aught to complain of in his conduct that can warrant an everlasting breach between us has he not kept within the bounds prescribed by me 
has he even presumed to hint he thinks them too severe unless involuntary sighs and tender looks are construed into crimes lucan has not offended yet yet i will break off this i know not what to call it improper at least as well as painful connection i am almost distracted i have this moment received a letter from lord lucan i'm glad of it this is encroaching i have now some pretence for my intended breach yet read it fanny i will copy it if my fast streaming tears don't wash the lines away to lady barton if as i hoped the most profound submission to her will whom my mind worships and my eyes adore could have preserved me her esteem never had the unhappy lucan infringed lady barton's command nor even dared to repine at being forbidden to express his hopeless passion by speech or letter to her but alas madame though love is blind lovers are quick-sighted and i but too clearly perceive that i have lost that portion of your regard with which i had perhaps too vainly flattered myself i mean not madame to reproach you with this cruel change but humbly to implore you to inform me if i have though unwittingly heaven knows being so unfortunate as to have offended you even in the slightest article of my conduct if my appearing before you at this time without permission be imputed to me give me leave to transfer the blame upon chance which led me hither without knowing that you had intended to have honoured lady creswell's wedding with your presence the transports i was sensible of on meeting you so unexpectedly here cannot surely be deemed a crime and yet the misery i have since sustained has made me already sufficiently atone for it as if it had been one even my present presumption bears its own apology along with it as your cruelty and my justification required it the unhappy but unoffending suppliant may expostulate even with heaven itself without impiety i shall trespass no farther on you madame than just to assure you that i find i belong no longer to myself and that in spite both of you and me i am and shall remain ever yours lucan what shall i say to him my sister what answer shall i make to lines so full of tenderness and submission can i be unjust enough to reproach or condemn him while he is guiltless of any offence towards me yet if i acquit him do i not criminate myself must he not think me unworthy of his regards 
if female caprice alone should appear the motive of my altered conduct i will not enter on the subject but coldly tell him that i first repented then conquered my past weakness and bid him to and bid him try to follow my example oh fanny i shall break his gentle heart if but my own would burst i should be happy how inconsistent is this letter with my last why can i not again recover that calmness which even a transient devotion had inspired alas because my piety was but temporary and transitory like the ungrateful israelites i sought the lord in my trouble but he has not promised to be nigh to all those who call upon him his mercy is not limited and in that hope will i confide more than half the night is elapsed but i will not close my eyes till i have written to lord lucan should i defer it till to-morrow his supplicating eye and tender looks may change my uniform purpose would to heaven i had not come here never was any creature so altered in the time sir william will certainly perceive the change and how shall i account for it it is done my sister i have taken an everlasting leave of lord lucan i will copy what i have written how infinitely short does it fall of what i wish to say to lord lucan my lord perfectly sensible as i am of all the faultness of my conduct both towards you and myself i submit without repining to the censure implied in your letter but alas my lord the crime i am there charged with is not the source of my self-condemnation that you may be perfectly convinced of my sincerity i will confess that i saw your growing passion from its earliest infancy and at the same time beheld you in the most favourable light yet i vainly hoped that situated as i then was my virtue would have been proof even against your merit and my sense of it and that the knowing my heart ought to be devoted to another was sufficient to render it so how have i since blushed at that presumption which was founded not in strength but weakness from the moment that the accidental circumstance of the picture at southfield had brought on a confession of our mutual sentiments peace has been a stranger to my breast a consciousness of the irrevocable injury i had been guilty of towards a person i dare not even name at present has haunted me ever since the constant perturbation of my mind with other mortifications arising from the same source brought on a dangerous illness which led me a willing victim almost to the grave 
i now rejoice that what i then most ardently desired was not the consequence of the joint disorder both of heart and mind and body yes my lord i wish to live that my future conduct may atone for my past folly and that the example of the weakest of the weaker sex may enable you to conquer a passion which if indulged must be productive of misery only both to yourself and its unhappy object i will not boast my lord that i have already accomplished this arduous task my nature is sincere but as a proof that i mean seriously to succeed in the attempt i from this moment interdict myself from ever corresponding or conversing with your lordship more and do here declare that i will never pardon your attempting either to see or write me on any further occasion of our lives i shall ever retain the sincerest wishes for your lordship's happiness though this is the last time that i shall ever subscribe myself your affectionate friend l b i will not comment on this hateful letter surely i never wrote so bad one but isn't that wonderful is not the heart our best inspirer and can i say that mine dictated this severe decree yet i trust my dear fanny will approve it it has afforded my mind to a temporary relief i mean to order my coach as soon as i rise in the morning to send this letter to lord lucan before i appear at breakfast and set out directly after for southfield without giving him time to recover enough from his surprise so as to attempt an expostulation i am tempted to leave harriet with lady cresswell that i may perform the journey alone what a journey will it be adieu adieu l barton end of letters fifty six to fifty eight